0: Well, hello all, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst. Together with my friend Steve Shermer of Silk Road Catalyst, I'm one of the co-hosts of Missions Talk. Missions Talk is a show where we have regular media content on best practices and inside looks into what God is doing around the world in missions, featuring guests that are involved in global missions from parachurch organizations, churches, and other missions and networks around the world. We have a deep heart to help you find ways to reach your world for Christ. And on today's episode, Steve and I have a special guest, Danny LaMastra, talking about his book, Pursuing the Call, A Practical Guide for New and prospective Missionaries. It's a great look, whether you're just beginning to look at being a missionary or you're already on the field and looking for some direction. Well, hello, friends. Hey, Mike Falkenstein here with 1A Catalyst and uh, one of the co-hosts of the uh, our Facebook live show, Missions Talk. I'm here again with Steve Shermer. And uh, Steve, you've said something about a uh, tornado watch there. Is everyone okay <laughs> there in South Carolina?
1: Yeah, so uh, for yeah, we're fine. We're under a tornado watch <laughs> uh, past couple of years, we've had a couple of tornadoes oh, and my, my face yep. is just a tad blurry, and I'm sorry, I just don't know how to fix it. I've been trying, and oh, it looks it's great. Just gonna be it's not as clear as Mike. Mike is like crystal clear, <laughs> like looking at a diamond.
0: That's, wow, that isn't that weird. That's weird. Well, and you don't want to goof around with those tornadoes, Steve. So keep an eye on that while we while no, we I, this episode.
1: I have I have my radar right here.
0: Okay, good. Good. You got that going. Good. Well, Steve, I'm really excited about this episode. You know, I think it was you who had actually found out about today's guest. So Danny LaMestra is um, an author and uh, also a a person serving overseas. And so we want to give him the opportunity to introduce himself. But, uh, Steve, I think you had found out about his book, uh, Pursuing the Call, and um, it kind of sparked your interest, I think, didn't it?
1: Yeah, so he reached out, and I was actually, I'm actually in the process of looking for. Uh, written resources that we can give our future missionaries to, to you know work through. We've got the book I've written about having legitimacy on the mission field. Mm-hmm. And then Danny reached out. I'll see if I can get in the camera here. Uh, his oh, book, you, Pursuing you. the Call. Oh, great. So he sent it to me to review. So, yeah, we're excited to have him on here to hear what he has to say, why he wrote the book, things like that. So it should be good.
0: Yeah, so Danny, thank you so much for joining us, and um, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're coming from today, and you know uh, where you're serving, who you're serving with, all that. Give us a quick introduction to, uh, to you and what you're doing.
2: Yes, uh, so I am in El Salvador. I've been living in El Salvador for the past four years. I came here initially to work in prison ministry, uh, <laughs> and during the pandemic, There were some changes in kind of my role in ministry, and I'm now doing something else. Uh, Since the pandemic started, the visitation access to be able to go into the prisons and do the programs that we had been doing beforehand really shut down completely. And unfortunately, we were never able to fully get back up and running uh, in that area. And so for the past year, approximately, I've been a teacher at a Christian school here in El Salvador, and still serving here in El Salvador, uh, and that's been my journey so far.
0: Oh, great. And uh, where are you from originally?
2: I'm originally from New Jersey, and I studied mm-hmm. at a Southeastern University in Florida, so I've lived in Florida for five years as well.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. That's great. So. Originally from New Jersey, uh, by way of Florida, now in El Salvador. Keep going south. That's really really great. So give us just quickly, before we get to your book itself, give us a little bit of your journey towards like how you actually became a missionary serving on the field. Um, Give us kind of the quick two or three minute, hey, here's how, this is what God did to get me there.
2: Yeah. So I grew up in a Christian home, the church that I was involved with pretty much my whole life was very, very big on missions. They had lots of missionaries that were always coming through and speaking at church. And so I was aware of of the concept of missions from a really young age. Mm. And as I was getting to the point of determining where I wanted to go to college and what I wanted to do with my life and things like that, Mm. I really started to consider seriously the possibility of doing something missions related. And so I decided to go to a Christian college because of that. Uh, Like I said, I ended up going to Southeastern University in Florida. And during my time there, there were two experiences for me that I would say were very key in pushing me to the point that I actually did become a full-time missionary after graduation. The first experience for me was the opportunity to volunteer at a local urban mission center. That was in the community uh, and being able to have a role in ministry that was missions focused, even though it was local, was mm. a really great experience. You know, a lot of people, when they are graduating and they go and they get hired at a church as youth pastor or something like that. Uh, that's the first time they have ever had like a leadership role in ministry. Mm. And so for me, like the opportunity to have a leadership role in ministry before graduation was huge for me in terms of developing the desires that i had to become a missionary mm-hmm. and in terms of helping me learn more about what is involved in actual day-to-day ministry in a real life scenario not just in the classroom so that was the one experience and the other experience that was big for me was i was a spanish minor and so that really opened up my eyes to This part of the world where I'm now living, Latin America, uh, gave me more of a desire to explore the possibility of doing something outside the United States. Because initially, when I first started college, my sights were set more so on on doing ministry in the U.S. than doing something international. Mm. But the Spanish minor was really what pushed me in the direction of exploring international missions as a possibility
0: okay great well you know i love that because uh that's what god does a lot of times right uh you begin learning a language and uh it really does open up yeah your eyes uh yeah. and your heart towards uh people i mean uh of course Danny, you don't know this but both steve and i have kind of a heritage and a history in uh, in china and so it was really when i started doing chinese language study Originally that uh, oh, man, you just begin to understand more about the people their culture um, I mean, it's so tied. all that's tied to um, You know their history all that's tied to their language, isn't it? So uh, that's really uh, that's really great to hear so uh, So Steve I saw you have a copy of his book, right? Have you had a chance to peruse it?
1: There it goes. It's actually clearer than my face. Anyways, yeah. So i ha- I have been scanning it. Great. Um, you know, I really do like stories when I hear what what was the trigger that got someone uh, mm-hmm. to pursue a missionary calling, to pursue. Yeah, me too. Going abroad. I mean, for me, it was it wasn't so much the the steps like that that you went through that got me going, but it was actually meeting someone in China. That's a different story. I won't get into, but it was a one conversation I had. That triggered everything for me. But anyway, so we're here about your book. Right here. Pursuing the Call. Practical Guide for New and prospective Missionaries. So mm. everyone has a moment, like when I had my moment about writing my book, the moment that um, Mike has had writing his. Mm-hmm. What was the moment where you realized, even with all the books out there, why, why this one?
2: Yeah, so I think the pandemic actually was a big part of the reason why I ended up writing the book. Without the pandemic, I don't know that it ever would have been written. Uh, Here in El Salvador, the initial stages of the pandemic uh, had a lot of restrictions that that went into place. And there was about a two-month period where the country was on full lockdown. Uh, You Mm. couldn't leave your house. Uh, the last number of your ID is what determined what days you were allowed to go to the supermarket. Other than that, you had to stay in your home. There were military circulating the streets. Anybody that was out and about whose ID did not correspond to the day uh, was being arrested and held indefinitely without trial. And so uh, it shut us down completely. Like all of the stuff we were doing with ministry was completely out the window. A lot of people started trying to do stuff with Zoom and things like that. But in our case, with the prison ministry, the prisons did not have initially the technological capacity to be able to do anything virtual whatsoever. And so I was sitting at home, unable to go anywhere, completely bored <laughs> and uh, trying to figure out what to do with my time. And my mom actually was the one uh, we were talking in one, like the first week or so uh, about the pandemic and you know the, the restrictions and whatnot. And she mentioned, hey, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I was like, no, <laughs> I, mm. I, I haven't. but, you know, after about a week of just sitting around doing nothing, the idea of doing something productive didn't sound so bad. So that was kind of what pushed me to to write the book, uh, that circumstance. As far as the topic and, and what I actually ended up putting into the book, I had read a lot about missions before becoming a missionary, like I think most missionaries probably do. Uh, I had studied uh, missions courses in college, going to a Christian school. I did a master's degree in ministry as well. And Mm. so in terms of like reading about missions, I had read a ton of stuff. But when I actually got to El Salvador and was a brand new missionary, those first six months, I felt like there was a lot that I was not prepared for. And so the goal for me was... While all of those things were still fresh in my mind, because it was relatively close to the beginning of my time as a missionary that I, I wrote the book. Um, the The idea was put a book together that contains all of those pieces of, of practical advice that I felt like I had not received in the books that i would read. And that's not to say that nothing that I talk about is discussed in any other book, because there is some overlap. But the, the goal was to put together... What are the holes that I felt like I didn't have for me uh, Mm. when I was reading about missions that I think could be helpful for other people?
1: That's great. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm looking at the the table of contents. I mean, you go from preparing to choosing how you're gonna go. You know, the sending Mm -hmm. structure, uh, the financial, the language, the culture shock. That's something I think a lot of people I don't think are really prepared for the culture shock. I can tell you, I wasn't Uh, beyond culture shock. uh, You know, personal spiritual health. uh, Chapter nine, final logistical preparations. I think it's a, you know, looking at the. I think it's a great condition. It's only one hundred thirty-eight pages. It's not. It's not long, but it's enough. It's enough information. To give you a bit a good idea of what you're walking into, even though a lot of people are still going through training, they're still. I had a friend that went to China, and he would tell me. I mean, he went through six weeks of training with his organization. Wow. But he would say, by the time he got there, he remembered ten percent of it. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: right. And he had to learn the other ninety percent, you know, on the fly as he was doing it. So. You know, to have a resource you can read but also uh, refer back to, I, I think is really handy. What do you think, Mike?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. In fact, I was just thinking, uh, guys, that, um, you know, the, uh, so let's say your organization is providing that kind of training or any kind of training at all. Um, there's almost, in my mind, there's almost not enough training, I mean, you know, that you could do. So, Going through your organization's training and then to have this book resource as kind of a, you know, uh, another source of information. And I mean, you know, whatever you can learn about yeah, the importance of learning language and surviving culture shock and, you know, your spiritual you know, health, your personal spiritual health. I mean, you know, these these chapter titles are are critical Right. So, uh, so Danny, I'm wondering, as I look at your nine chapters, um, what have you found in your own journey? And now as you're, as you're, uh, talking to people about the book that are the, you know, if you were to take your chapter titles, kind of these main bigger topics that you're writing about, what are the, the two or three, uh, topics that are, you're finding are the hardest for someone that's, that's going on to the missions field?
2: Yeah, so I think that the three most challenging uh, are probably the chapter on finances, the chapter on culture shock, and the chapter on personal spiritual health. Mm. Uh, finances, starting from the beginning there, is a topic that really nobody enjoys <laughs> dealing with. Right. Uh, normally, not all missions organizations are structured like this, but the majority require the missionary to do some level of fundraising. And usually uh, that means you have to raise all of your support. So personal support, ministry funds, all of it. And that can be a very intimidating task for a lot of people. Uh, It was a very intimidating task for me, for sure. And I've really spun my wheels for the first like six months without really making hardly any progress at all uh, in terms of chipping away at the budget before Mm. The, the chip started to click and I started to actually, you know, have some success. So I think that, that that's something that's hard. Culture shock is hard because there's no way to really fully prepare for it. Like mm-hmm. I studied culture a lot. I had studied the language. I had engulfed myself in Hispanic organizations in the United States. Like I thought that I had done everything that I could to mitigate culture shock. And even so the first six months or so, of being here was full-blown culture shock and Mm. so that's something that i think even if you read the book like i'm not making any promises that you're not going to go through culture shock but hopefully it can help you process (laughs) a little bit more health. and then in terms of uh personal spiritual health that was probably the hardest chapter to write in all honesty uh but i think that's probably the most important if i had to choose just one that would have been the the one Uh, because it's very easy when you're in ministry to neglect your own relationship with God. It's very easy to justify not spending time reading the Bible because you've prepared three Bible studies and a sermon that week and you were studying the Bible for that. You know, it's very mm-hmm. easy to just burn out because you're just mil- moving a million miles an hour doing ministry and you don't realize the toll that it's taking on you personally. And the reality is, is that if you're serious about wanting to help people, you have to prioritize making sure that you are in an emotional, mental, spiritually healthy state uh, that's going to enable you to have something to offer to
0: people. That's right. That
2: that for me is probably the most important chapter uh, of the book.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you can't give to uh, anyone something you don't already have right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're not growing spiritually, uh, you're not going to be able to help people grow spiritually for sure. So, um, yeah, that's, I, I love that. That's good. And, uh, so just a quick side question, Danny, the, the chapter on, uh, raising financial support, um, are you giving kind of a step-by-step how to, um, you know, raise the support or is this more, no, you definitely need to do this. You need to prioritize that, just making it, um, making it, are you giving any kind of step by step on how to, how, how missionaries can be raising support?
2: Yeah, I try to make it as practical as possible. So uh, there is uh, some introductory information at the beginning of the chapter about the theological legitimacy of support raising. Mm. But from that point forward, it's mostly practical steps, things that you could do it will accelerate your support raising process and, and what are what are like best practices for raising support in a way that's sustainable you know because you want to make sure that, that support stays coming in after you're in the mission field too right uh, so basically best practices for uh, raising support in a, like practical steps That that's kind of the heart of that chapter
0: okay that's great okay good good well yeah, that sounds great because, yeah, any kind of help they can get in that area as well is good. So, um, so Steve, of course, we always love to give, um, you know, encouragement to people, right? So uh, I think you wanted to ask Danny a question about that.
1: Yeah, uh, before I do that, I just want to emphasize the personal spiritual health chapter that he mentioned. Ooh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, I was just talking with a pastor from mainland China yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of our conversation got on to some of his struggles. Mm-hmm. And and so I was, you know, getting into a, an area of just trying to encourage him about uh, taking a day off every week, being intentional. Uh, but, I mean, it's just not just having a Sabbath day. There, there's so much um, about personal spiritual health. So I would definitely agree. I think that in my experience is probably the one I was weakest on and still Mm. can be at times. But Mm -hmm. also I think that's the one I find most, uh, cross-cultural workers are weakest on because Mm. they're, they're so passionate about giving and, um, serving the people they're there to serve that they forget that if they don't invest in themselves or let others invest in them, eventually they're going to run out of gas. That's right. I mean, Mike, you know, Mike and I have talked um, quite a bit in the past anyways, about burnout, things like that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I would agree with that. So I just wanted to say that as it was on my mind. Yeah. But thank you. So encouragement. So what would you, if you were to meet a new missionary, a prospective missionary, or I guess you could include anyone even over there, what, how would you encourage them In terms of going, in terms of sustaining themselves, things like that.
2: Yeah. So the biggest thing that I would say, this is actually something that's not in the book, but if I ever come out with a second edition, I'd probably include it, Mm. Uh, is don't let yourself get discouraged by unmet expectations. Uh, The reason I say that is because when somebody is going into missions, it is normal, I think, for them to have a certain expectation in their mind Mm. of what missions is going to be like. And what I have found in my own experience and with other people that I've talked to who have been down this road as well is that that initial expectation of what you think missions is going to be like usually doesn't line up with what missions is actually like (laughs) when you actually get to the mission field and are actually doing ministry. And if you allow those unmet expectations to discourage you, uh, it can really train wreck you really quickly. Uh, Because there's two different ways that people tend to process that. The first is that people can start to get mad at God and feel like God has let them down because their expectations weren't met. Or the alternative, the other way, is that people can think, I'm just not cut out for this. Like, uh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I guess that I'm just not supposed to be a missionary and they feel like a failure, right? And really, it's not either one of those things. It's not that God failed you, and it's not that you're a failure either. It's just that there was a disconnect between your expectations and and the reality of your experience. And in Luke 24, there's a story that I think speaks to this very, very well. Uh, It's the story of when Jesus encountered two of his followers on the road to Emmaus shortly after his resurrection. Luke's the only one that uh, of the four Gospels that includes this story. and He doesn't give us a lot of information about the two guys that were on the road uh, to Emmaus. But what we do know is that they weren't part of the twelve disciples, but they were pretty close to the inner circle because in the passage, uh, we see that they interact with the twelve disciples. They know exactly where to find them. Uh, and so they they were people that were were close to Jesus, even though they weren't part of the 12th. And it's interesting that they're going where they're going, because the rest of Jesus' core group of disciples, all the ones that are recorded, at least in the Bible, they're all in Jerusalem, right? Uh, They, Every single one of them are in Jerusalem. But these guys are going to a city that, by ancient traveling standards, without cars and stuff like that, is not... A nearby place. Uh, it's not somewhere that they can just go run a quick errand and then be back by nighttime. Uh, it would appear that they are abandoning shit. That they're uh, they're done. And when Jesus is talking to to them, we find out uh, the reason why why they're done. And it's in verse twenty one. If you're looking at the passage in Luke twenty four, mm. uh, they say we had hoped that he would redeem Israel. Talking about Jesus. Uh, in fact, in, in the Spanish, that could actually even be translated. Uh, we had expected that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel, and because mm-hmm. their expectation wasn't met, that's the reason why they were going now in a new, a totally different direction with their lives. Uh, and what's interesting is that their expectation not being met was was such a big like stumbling block for them that it says in the passage that they didn't even recognize Jesus. He's with them for hours, but the text says that they were kept from recognizing him. Uh, And I think in that passage, we really end up seeing the danger of of what can happen if we don't process unexpected expectations correctly. The reality for them was that uh, God hadn't failed them. (laughs) God's plan was still very much so in motion. In fact, it was much greater than even what they had expected it to be, right? Mm. Uh, But the reality was just that their expectations uh, that they had kind of devised on their own, that they had kind of attributed to God's to being God's plan, uh, it was misaligned. Right. And so if Jesus doesn't meet them on the road, uh, who knows what ends up happening to them? And so it's very important, I think, for us as as missionaries and people in general uh, to be very careful about that, to hold uh, you know our calling and, and our our ministry uh, loosely enough that if God shifts our direction and we need to pivot, you know we can pivot. It doesn't like shatter us
0: completely. That's right. Uh-huh. And
2: that's so that right. would be like, I think for me recently, like over the past couple couple months especially, that's been like a big theme for me of, of what what would I say to people who who are going into ministry because during the course of the pandemic, uh, there's been I think, on the expectations for everybody, right? Everybody right. had plans that they had for ministry that got completely upended and derailed. And over the last two years, just in the circle of people that have been influential to me personally, uh, I've seen more people fall away from the faith over the last couple of years than probably the rest of my life combined. And mm. so I just really think that that's an important message for, for people to consider mm. that are going into ministry.
0: Mm,
1: thank well, you, Danny. For that. I, I think you hit the nail on the head Definitely. I think the expectation is is something we often go, especially from America. We go with these expectations of ministry uh, we you know there 's people who go out there with these expectations of of planting exponential number of churches just because they heard something in a conference about how to plant churches, and they saw these amazing reports and now they 're going out with the same idea i 've come across a number of people like that. And then they end up being discouraged because it didn't work for them. And even before I, I left for China, we had, I had a pastor from China tell me you're going to, you know, you're as an American, you're going to go out with this expectation of what you're going to do, but you're going to realize in a couple of years that what you thought you were going to do is not what you're going to do. And <laughs> you, right. you really need to go. And even while I was living there, and I still remember this example, uh, this missionary friend, we were, sitting at a coffee shop and he's like, you know, sometimes we just come to the field with our hands like this, that God, I'm going to do this. And we never give God the ability to move things and add things to our life. But if we go with our hands like this, if I can even get it in the screen, (laughs) even if we have a plan there, but where it's loosely held rather than tightly gripped. And so we need to, I think you're right. And the pandemic, I hope taught us um, yeah. a lot of things and I would say, mm-hmm. definitely agree that that was one of them. <laughs> uh, we all had expectations right. in 2020 and now everything failed.
0: <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And Steve, how many episodes have we done about essentially that topic? You know, I mean, we've done a number about how COVID has changed every different asset of our uh, facet of ministry. And, uh, yeah. I mean, there isn't a ministry that it hasn't affected and expectations have been totally changed. Right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. there's not any of us that were immune to, <laughs> to those changes. So, uh, Danny, I was just going to add to what Steve said. And, uh, cause as I was hearing you talk, I also thought about, you know, I'm a real, um, yeah, uh, uh, history buff. And so, I love this story of you know William Carey who uh, first initially went to India, and you know it was seven years before William Carey saw his first convert um, to Christ um, upon landing in India, and I just often think that actually it just is a it's a story that I often just remember just because you I mean, you think about it, you've just raised this money you've all this I mean especially in the eighteen hundreds what it took to get there whatever that was, a couple months to get there, or a month to get there, and, you know, just a lot of effort, and to not have any, you know, anyone except Christ for seven years. I'm sure he's in passing six years of, you know, his ministry there and just thinking, Lord, what are you doing? Oh, my gosh, you know, so, yeah, it's uh, just, uh, you know, and it turned out he had a you know, Throughout the course of his entire ministry, there many came to Christ, but uh, just for that early those early years, you know, Mac, you, you can imagine, you know, how many times potentially he was thinking about going home, and you know, um, so yeah, just managing the expectations, and I guess I would add, in even playing off the title of your book, pursuing the call, if you've pursued it and God has called you to it you know, just sort of remaining in that call and, you know, just, um, uh, trusting that, yeah, that was actually God and he, he's got some plans and sometimes it takes a while for us to be able to, you know, to see him and what he really, what he wanted to do. So Danny, as we, in the episode, two quick questions for you. Number one, um, do you have any final thoughts, uh, for people that are watching, maybe some folks that are uh, pursuing a call that they feel um, you have any uh, just quick encouragement or any, any final thoughts for them?
2: Yeah. So the final thought, and this is something that I close out the book with is after you read through all of the different uh, aspects of becoming a missionary, it's very easy to feel overwhelmed. Right. Um, But keep going, you know, no matter like what obstacles present themselves don't take an obstacle as automatically meaning that you're not qualified Mm. or that God doesn't want you to do missions, Uh, you know, push through the obstacles because Mm. there will be obstacles, but if you keep going, you're going to have an incredible experience waiting for you on the other side that you'll remember for the rest of your life.
0: Mm, Thanks for that. Yeah, I would just really agree with that. And then finally, I know the book is available on Amazon Um, do you want to give any kind of here's where else the book is available? Obviously we always want to give you a chance to connect with the audience. If they want to contact you directly, what are the best ways for them to do that?
2: Yeah. So, um, I don't have a huge social media presence, unfortunately, uh, but my contact info is actually on the publisher's website. And that's okay. Uh, they have my email address on there. Uh, with the book info, I believe. So if anybody wants to contact me, they can do that. And as far as uh, where are the book's available, uh, Amazon, obviously you already mentioned, uh, is mm-hmm. where most people buy. It's on all major outlets, Barnes and Nobles, Target. Uh, but I would also add that the publisher's website has a cheaper price than anywhere else. Oh, uh, really? It's $5 cheaper on the publisher's website than I believe the list price on Amazon because Amazon takes their cut from everything. Uh, right. So uh, okay. if you already bought it from Amazon, I'm sorry. <laughs> but if you haven't bought it yet, if you're watching this, and you want to buy a copy, the publisher website is the cheapest place to get it. AnecoPress.com.
0: Okay. Thank you so much, Steve. Any final uh, thoughts and uh, uh, wrap up thoughts
1: from you? No, I mean, Danny, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, this is, this is really interesting. You, you've been a missionary for four years.
2: Yeah. Coming up on, Four years in June, actually. So, just about in oh, four years.
1: Together. So, yeah. So, in four years, that's a lot of wisdom to come up with. It really to is. To take all those experiences, research with other people. So, yeah, I mean, you could, you could see that God's definitely given you some insight uh, to be able to gather this information to produce another resource to help missionaries. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be exciting to see what else you publish in the future. If you decide, you know, maybe your mother needs to keep hounding on you to do more.
2: <laughs> maybe that's the key. I thank you. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> that's great. Well, uh, yeah, Danny, thanks again. Uh, just for me, thanks for uh, being here. Um, I would just encourage all of you to pick up a copy of the book. And, uh, you know, because part of it is, even if you've just, you know, got this small inkling that you feel like God may be calling you to something But it's just the tiniest little thing you know it's these kind of resources that he can use to you know blossom that in your life and so would definitely encourage you to do that get in touch with danny and um yeah i sure appreciate all of you watching we're so thankful for the way that you continue to watch and share and comment and you know uh we're just uh we're thrilled to have you here with us on uh, missions talk so thanks again sure hope uh, all is well with you all and uh, we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode to find out more about missions talk or to watch previous episodes please go to facebook.com forward slash missions talk it is on our facebook page that we have the catalog of all of our episodes to find out more about my organization, 1-8 Catalyst, please go to 1-8catalyst.org. And to find out about Steve's work with Silk Road Catalyst, please go to com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of Missions Talk.